down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 118 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. This is the state of the super faction episode for the current state of the Eldari super faction, ladies and gents. Uh, we're going to be joined by, it's going to be split into two segments, and this is the kind of the, the preamble caveat to let you guys know that I am very sick at the moment. My voice is barely hanging in there, and I'm trying to power on for you guys, because I love yous, and I never want to miss a week. It's part of my mantra. Um, to that end, unfortunately, I did hope to have both the lovely Ridvin, Ascari Martinez, and Chris Wright on at the same time, but schedules have not allowed for it, so I'm recording in two halves. First and foremost, with Mr. Scari himself, and then the second part will be with Chris Wright. So please stay tuned, and of course, part two will be in two halves as well. So I'm going to record about 20 minutes, 25, half an hour with each, each man on each half of the episode, so stick with us, and hopefully you'll join us over on part two. First part is with the lovely Scarred One himself. Welcome to the show, Ridvin. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for hanging out, and thanks for listening, everyone. Looking forward to taking a deep dive into the super faction of the Eldari, you know, coming into a very mature ninth edition. And uh, so it's very exciting to to see and take a look back and kind of look into the future. Yeah, well, it's, I feel like the reason I'm doing it now is I feel like it's only I feel like I feel like only Harlequins are getting respected at the moment. Only Harlequins are getting the attention. But I feel like there is a Berberlin little meta there for Asurani, Yunari, even um, Drakari to be on the rise in the current game as it's approaching um, and, and as it's developing. And I think it's gone a little bit by the wayside. I see everyone talking about Chaos, talking about Imperium, talking about Xenos, especially at the moment, um, where I feel like I'm trying to get a little bit of attention going to where I think it needs to be at the moment as well in Eldar, because I think they're going to be very much on the rise. Um, so for those of you who do not know, guys, uh, Art of War done on a two-part podcast. I'm sure you're, you're absolutely aware. But we, every now and then, I like to do a stupid State of the Super Faction episode. I'll try and do one every three months if I can. Sometimes it's not. Um, for each of the super factions of our great game. And just to give you guys a rundown of how Super Faction is doing in the meta at the moment, what's going for it, what's going against it, and the story so far. So, my lad, my man, Ridvin, jumping straight in. Uh, oh, sorry, I've, where, can people, where can people hear more from the lovely Scarred One? The Scarred One himself is available on YouTube. Yeah, just go to YouTube, Scarredcast at, at uh, Scarredcast on YouTube. And all the links are from there. You can find anything from the Patron, which is the main sort of like blog and bonus content that I do and stuff all the way to doing uh, coaching and clinics on the art of war and the war room. So make sure you, uh, you know, don't be shy. Send me a message. I am a normal human and I will uh, answer your questions. He absolutely freaking will. I was pestering with many questions today, trying to nail down when we could get this episode done and uh, answered all those, did a great job. And here we are. So, all right, my man, your overall gut, knee-jerk impressions of where the Super Faction sits in the game right now? Well, Super Faction itself, I think you have to look at it in terms of, like, like if you're looking at a tier list or power level, I think one of the best ways to look at a faction when it's been around for a while is its ability to have the tools to win games, you know, because as a list matures, there are certain, like, factions stand out as being like their harder matchups and things like that so it's about being able to score points win games and ha- and tackle those hard matchups especially in a singles format and that's where 40k especially eldari um 
like you could really speak of Eldari as a super faction in two completely different settings, like singles and like a team event setting, yep. because the faction itself fills a fantastic role in a team event. Right, they're very specific. They have lots of very good matchups and ways they can win games into like specific specific armies and factions. But when you go to a singles event, you know you have to plan to play against uh, armies, you know, like Tyranids or whatnot that can be a little tougher to deal with, right? And 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 that's where I think, in like a couple of words, we could say the super faction of Eldari is a lot more reliant on player skill than it has been in a while. I entirely agree i love that you pointed out team events as well there is a big distinction for there's more of a distinction for aldari than most when talking about their how they play in a singles meta how they play in a in a team's meta they do have i mean essentially harlequins to draw intensive purposes are one of the few armies in the game that's perpetually a skew army just because they just don't have enough data sheets to have a well-rounded list most of the time um, so they're usually a skew list is, is what you have you know it's oops all clown cars all star weavers or void weavers etc um and so, so th- there's them on the side, but you have this weird mixing pot of any of the other uh, other sub factions, um, Asuriani, Drakari, Yanari, even now, um, can skew in a multitude of different ways for teams or be a very well balanced all rounder. Uh, so there's a bit of internal flexibility, but I love what you said about if they're at the point in the meta right now where they're back to being that high skill cap, high risk reward army, right? They can't just play the non-interactive Ungabunga, sh- shoot you to death from the other side of the table or rush you with a thousand, you know, aggressive units, Drakari and or Asuriani builds that I just I just read about that have dominated the game in the past at 9th edition. Is that what you're referring to? Agreed, yes. I think if you're an Eldar player right now, you know, you're you're you might be banging your head up against the wall in a couple of matchups trying to figure out, you know, how to deal with certain things it can be a lot harder to deal with than you know traditionally they would be. You know, something like a bunch of Helverins and minus one damage um, yeah. uh, armagers are like a tough to deal with. You know, things that can that have like a feel no pain, lots of wounds, high. You know, that can that's not necessarily the easiest sort of matchup. For example, knights or like Kraken, Tyranids, or even Leviathan stuff still, or like high mortal wound output with zone throps and you know biowars and whatnot. So it's a matter of I think it comes to a point in the meta, and this I've experienced this in many many years of playing the game, where you have to start picking and choosing. And a lot of the times, those units that we really love and just enjoy the aesthetic of sometimes become inefficient in the meta that is playing currently. And as an Eldar player or a Dark Eldar player, you you start having to go, okay, I love this unit, but I just can't take it right now because like I need to make my list as efficient as possible to compete. Yeah, and it, it is. Um... I love that you pointed out the knights because I feel like it's been knights. It hasn't been so much the Tyranian matchup, even though I I thought it was the Tyranian matchup. That was the thing that was holding and really causing the super faction the most issues. I actually found it was the knights and CSM matchups that were that were causing them the most issues. Right. Well, for Dark Eldar specifically, coming from my experience, yeah. Whenever I play against like Imperial Knights or Chaos Knights, I'll either get a four. Or I'll get an eighteen. Uh, you know, yeah. I find it's like there's no middle ground in that matchup, and it's and it's so it has been very hard to sort of test into it. Um, when it comes to Tyranids, like old Leviathan Nids was probably one of the worst matchups, uh, it, exactly just right. because because it was exceptionally hard to kill. You know, twenty eight Tyranid warriors on the middle objective. You know, and then need alone outscore them. You know, they just eat you because they're so fast. And every single unit in the army can kill every single unit of yours 
one-on-one. So like in terms of trades, it just didn't work out very well. Now with the change, I feel like it is a winnable matchup. And I think especially even with Kraken, like the speed or whatnot, as a Dark Eldar player, it's okay if they come at you as long as I can kill you in return, which I think now is possible, uh, especially without Leviathan being so prevalent. But yeah, something like Creations of Bile is very tough into Dark Eldar. Like Dark Eldar hate like, you know, 28 possessed. You know what I mean? Because it's a very close combat sort of like centric faction. Incubi, Crazy Succubus, Drazar. You know, you want to get in to punch your enemy and, and get them off objectives and things. But you can't do that against an army that just fights on death. Exactly and, right. Like kills you back, then the trades don't work. So, but with other Space Marine, um, other Chaos Space Marine matchups, it's not as bad. Good like, to even hear. against like Black Legion and things like that, like, as long as I can kill you and you don't kill me right back in return, it takes you like a turn to kill me, sort of thing. I find that a lot easier than than going into something like, yeah. specifically like Creations of Bile. Fantastic to hear. So, all right, my man, we're going to do our traditional thing. We're going to do it's pretty much the same process with yourself and Chris, and we're probably definitely going to get different perspectives from each of you um the state of drukari right now what are the builds looking like what are the, what do they have going for them in the meta what do they have going against for them in the meta we've already kind of covered what's going against from the meta they've kind of got three predators still existing pretty strong out there i know empress children is another big issue in the same vein but kind of same same but different to creations of bile it's more less the trading war it's more you trying to make sure you only attack on one front at a time and as a drakari i mean that's kind of not what you want to do a lot of sometimes in some missions but yeah what's the what's drakari feeling like in the meta for you feel free to take as long as you want on these guys i know it is your absolute wheelhouse well drakari it's really funny because um as a competitive drakari player i have found that I need to get a lot more practice with a list than I had to, you know, six months ago. Right? So Dark Elder are definitely you can't, you can't just overpower people. Yeah. Correct. It's yeah. and it's a lot more I feel like it's kind of reverted to that like traditional standard way of playing like very cagey with Dark Eldar, where you still have like hitting power, but you want to sort of like layer out through throughout the course of the game and tackle people's scoring ability. Yep. So I've done it in two ways. I've I've played Dark Eldar, which is very aggro. Right, and there are two main lists that I like doing for that. Uh, one is a, a double Void Raven bomber, which is really funny. Ooh, that, hilarious. but like, I, I'm actually I really like my bombers. They they sometimes they do nothing, but when they go off, they just win me games. It's fantastic uh, with Blood Brides, Drazar, a bunch of Incubi, you know, and it's like a very aggressive like move into position turn one and then turn two, turn three, kind of hit your opponent very, very hard from, you know, advance and charge from behind, like, pieces of terrain. And that unit, that army has lots of Helions and, and like, fast-moving, aggressive hitting. And it, it's based around Strife still. However, the supplement, Strife supplement, is going to be sort of, like, gone away by the end of December, at least based on their list of supplements and, you know, their shelf date, basically. Yep. Which is a shame. So I'm trying to practice with other uh, witch cults and other things, especially moving into like LVO, which you know I have a ticket for, and I'm I'm planning on going down to LVO this year. So I think that if you're an Eldar player, Dark Eldar player, you need to start practicing like now the list that you're thinking of taking to like LVO, and don't change it too much. Like you have to know it inside and out. The other list that I'm kind of playing around with is a more MSU-based list, like a traditional, classic Dark Eldar feel list, which has six dedicated transports. It's got like 22 different kill points. You know, it's got like lots of little units of five. Cabalite Warriors and Racks and, and like the Killy characters and Incubi and 
a core of the archon and things like that and it's a lot more based around just swarming the table with lots of little things which is is more traditional and i feel like that still has a lot of merit in the current meta and the way that you play the game right now yeah, I feel like it still has a lot of merit as well. How do they sitting scoring ability-wise? Like, do you find you still able to put up big scores on people? I think in order for you to score big, you have to focus on denying your opponent's score. Like Dark Elder, I don't have the best secondaries, right? I'm not a Sisters of Battle player or an Ekron player that can just sit there and go, well, I'm going to start with 40 secondary points minimum. Yes. Right? You know, that's just not something that happens. And I feel like picking the wrong secondary just stings a lot. So you have to be honed into like the secondaries you want to pick. Something like Take Them Alive has been very useful. I'm actually really enjoying Fear and Terror into a lot of matchups, which is one that a lot of people don't know even what it does. Um, and if especially against like Harlequins and things like that, it works very nicely. You know, it you have to tackle a that primary like mission on your opponents, and a lot of the times I'm still getting like twelves. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really tend to win by a lot unless it's a really swingy matchup. But that's also because if you overcommit with Dark Eldar, at least right now, or with Eldar in general, the game is so dangerously killy that if your opponent kills six of your units in a single turn, you just run out of stuff, right? So you can't really overcommit to, like, really shutting them down too hard in the early part of the game um, because you need to conserve those units for later in the game. And, and so you're saying that you just feel like sometimes they just get out-tempoed? Or is that just a, it's just a list that needs to be in control of the game to do well? Well, you, as a Dark Eldar player, play, you want to be in control of the game regardless of the matchup. You know, I think the key is the fine line between knowing that everything in your army is going to die, <laughs> right? Because everything yep. is, so, is so squishy, but it's about layering it well enough throughout the course of the game. So when it comes to the bottom of that fifth turn you have enough to continue to do some damage and continue to score the points that you need because if you spend too many resources trying to do that early in the game you just don't have enough models or units at the end of the game to do it because the game is so killy that that is a good one um all right moving down give us your impressions about the state of harlequins at the moment so we just we're just off the back of the light nerf and i can tell you right now the coventry gt is happening uh where mr mike porter is currently I think he's sitting five and zero or six and zero right now with the same damn light list that he took a month ago and was doing extremely well with so have the tales of light's demise been overinflated or is this just a top tier play with a top with you know a list he knows back to front inside out i think the the change to light harlequins is pro is laughable <laughs> really like yes you lose six inches on like the range of your stuff whoop-de-doo you know what i mean like it didn't really change too much um harlequins are still incredibly powerful they have they can do the msu very very well they shoot incredibly well they have decent close combat capability they tackle the opponent's ability to maneuver being able to move block and get into like in like into annoying places and things like that they're fast so they have lots of speed and they have fantastic secondaries, right? Which are easy to score and can be scored into pretty much any matchup that they have. So all in all, I think Harlequins are still way up there. Like Twilight is about the same as Light now, when which the in they just have a better close combat potential, if that makes sense. Yep. But Light is still good, you know, especially Light bikes. You know, if you're running, you know, um, the bikes, they're they're probably one of the units that kind of gets the most out of being in a light detachment right now. 
Fair. Um, what do you make of the faction overall? I suppose there is the contention now between you know light or twilight. Most people going towards twilight if that is you know if they're in a meta where that makes sense. Well, where it feels like you know as soon as you go into twilight, you can start making some comparisons about is this better than Unari for this environment? Would light with just some you know scat bikes and stuff like that be better? Um, so how do you feel about that conversation? The internal um, balance of Harlequins at the moment. So I think light is definitely still very strong. I think Twilight is probably better as a more flexible list, right? Because it gives you that ability to do the close combat damage, like with the you know like the uh, the relic, and it gives you access to more command points, which then you can use for a lot of the janky stuff that Harlequins have access to. Uh, but light is still like a it's like a very specific technical style play. Like it's fast, yes. You know you can move around. With if, especially if you have big bike units or whatever, or small bike units, it still makes your boats incredibly fast in order to like get good angles to shoot and things like that. And the the redeploy after being charged is can be game winning, right? So it just gives you it's more of a technical play rather than like a yeah. more all rounded style play. And I think I I do think light now there's a now there's a debate to be had whether you want to take light and twilight. Uh, sadly, dark is still in the dark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you think they went too hard on dark too early? Like, should they have let them have a couple of, you know, should they have nerfed? Light I'm surprised they hit time? dark that hard and didn't do that to bile. Personally, you know I mean, like just taking it away from Harlequins, being like, nope, you don't get fight on death, you do mortal wounds, and then keeping bile the way it is doesn't make sense to me, right? Um, if anything, I would have given them back their fight on death and maybe done like a on a four plus or something. Yeah, you I, can fight on death. I, I, know, I, I had it. I think Anthony Vanella was on the show, I think, or it was Dean Sinbeck came on and said, we should, they should just all fight back on a three plus and you'd be fine. Like a four, a four plus is a little bit too swingy at times. A three plus, you know, you go into five possessed, kill all five, you know, three fight back. That's fine. Whereas if it's a four, it might be one. Uh, it might yeah. be two. Whereas, you know, if it's a three, it's probably at least two, you know, usually three. So that kind of stuff feels right. But man, I absolutely, I totally agree. The fact that you have like possessed fighting on death auto and you a harlequin with a blade fighting on death, but the possessed can't, but the harlequin can't, it's just stupid. Yeah, no, that's I feel like anyway, but that's just a balance thing. As for that, Harlequin's still in a great spot, like in the meta. Absolutely right. And I'm happy you brought up the secondaries, because I don't feel like people talk about the secondaries that they've got enough. Like the hierarchy of best secondaries in the game right now is Necrons, and then it's debatable who second sisters Necro uh, sisters or Sometimes some people say Imperial Knights, but man, top five, Harlequin's top five best secondaries in the game, for sure, I reckon. Because they're so intrinsically linked to how well they play the game. Like it, It's, yeah, phenomenal. All right, the state of Asuriani, my dude. Good old Craftworld Eldar. Um, I, look, I, I think if you're going to do Craftworld Eldar, you have to really focus on not spending too many points on toys and really hyper-focus on what your list is you want your list to do because i see way too many people spending points on like upgrades and things like that on a toughness three unit you know or something that's just going to die really fast i think uh swooping hawks is still good i think striking scorpions is still good i think banshees is still good i th i think you know i think the reliance on you know one phoenix lord i think is good enough i don't think you need multiple phoenix lords and then you really have to start a sort of uh button down on like your psychic stuff right because those buffs really kind of bring the most out of the army 
it's really about stacking those buffs on on things and using like fate dice and whatnot to really get the most out of your units so literally um, what you just described there was Uthway, right well i honestly think Uthway is like my favorite personally i love Uthway. i think it's really really good i think there's play in uh for bielton i think you know having like you know uh Chapter master rerolls, a double, an extra exploding thing, uh, a stratagem. You know, there's there's like more damage output that you can do with them, and I still think um, Halo Doom is quite good, um, or the advance and ignore cover, like advance and stay stationary. Yep, yep. Um, like that one seems to be really good with like bikes and things like that. See that? That's, so there's that's my. I, I think that's the first part I'm gonna. I've disagree with you on so far. I think Halo Doom's dead. I think I don't think Halo Doom can hang anymore. Sure. I you know mathematically speaking, just rolling dice and looking for sixes is you know never a bad plan, but <laughs> you know, and especially if it takes away your having to roll to wound, right? Um, I do think they're definitely not at the top of the pile anymore. I would I would take either Uthway or Bielton or like advance and remain stationary so you can yeah. battle focus everywhere. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, keep that mobility going so that it keeps you alive longer, right? Yeah, that, that's totally fair. Um. I'll, I'll, we're starting to see a bit of a resurgent in swooping hawks. They are one of the true non permanent perma non interactive pieces in the game. It seems at the moment, so few left, and people are going you know out of their way to find them now and things like riptides, etc. Um, I I feel like they're they're quite they should be quite pivotal to the way they play the game. Do you think they like they they should be almost the core thing now? Everyone's taking their everyone's taking their thirty dire avengers. I almost feel like you can go twenty to thirty uh, swooping hawks now. You definitely could, especially with Ignore Cover. I think that would work really well. And once again, they, they, they're kind of like a cheap version of Hail, right? Where you just auto-wound anything on sixes anyway. And then combining that with like a Doom and or a Guide, you know? And then or if you Jinx. Like Be- yeah. Or Jinx, yeah. Or you've got like Bielton for you know, re-rolls or um, uh, exploding hits and things like that. I think there's a, a lot of play with that as well. So Anything what- that rolls lots of dice and forces your opponent to roll lots of dice is good. Yeah, and uh, when I say what happened to Halo Doom, uh, and, and that I think it's fallen off, is that between El, uh, no, straight up between Eldar, um, the Craftwood Eldar coming into the four, there has been a times multiplier on the amount of G Dub terrain events that we've played, and the WTC terrain events that have multiplied and been widely adopted, uh, you know, here, there, and everywhere. And there is so much cover on those tables, which, of course, Halo Doom then got removed the ability to endorse cover as well. And then we had Armour of Contempt added into it. And then we had Chaos Space Marines added into it. And then we had Minus One Helverins freaking everywhere added to it. And all of a sudden, Strength 6 is Strength 6 minus nothing. It's Strength 6 minus 3 is, is minus 1 because they've got cover and Armour of Contempt. It, it, it's one damage if they're a shooting cannon. Just, the damage just completely fell out the ass. Yeah, no, I can see that. All right. Um, but do you think Asuriani is in a good place, bad place, medium place? Because the last thing I want to say about uh, Super Hawks in particular is that they are superb demon killers. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like anything, I think Eldar, like Dark Eldar, Eldar are in a fantastic place to kill demons, to be honest. Plus, if anybody brings any Slanesh stuff, oh, you just like yeah. automatically murder it. Yes, the Beshi's just... Oh. Ter- yeah, all the crushing blows, uh, Scorpion Exarch, hilarious. Mm-hmm. Although he, he, you know, um, auto wins onto his anyway, so he goes. Um, all right, wax lyrical about Yanari for me. Ah, uh, Yanari. 
Um, it's funny because folks are just taking an Ari to make things like combat Harlequins better. I think that's mainly the reason people take an Ari and to take the Incarn. Yep. I feel like it's it's trying to take it to have a a double down psychic phase. Like the you get a little bit I feel like you get a little bit more mortals than in the sorry, in the psychic phase than Harlequins do, and you get a little bit more differentiation of shooting profiles. But at the core of it, you're right. It's pretty much just a Harlequin list, yeah, with some with some Craftworld's tech. Yeah, you know, and I like the mortal wound sort of like build where you've got like a void driven bomber, you've got the um the hemlock wraith fighter, right? And then once they like die or whatnot, the incarn comes in and it starts doing mortal wounds everywhere. And so and it's you know, and I've played that sort of like AoE mortal wound output. It can be quite effective, but you're still playing off of like an Eldar platform, right? Yeah. So you still have to have that hide, strike, you know, kill things and don't get killed back sort of like thought process. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um do you feel like it is better or worse than uh, the list we've described above? Like, where does it sit in the hierarchy of uh, Eldari sub-factions? Is it better than pure Drakari, or, or, or is it straight up better than either of the pure options, essentially, is what I'm asking? Um, well, there's definitely one more recently, right? In terms of, like, like, just by seeing the results alone, I would say it's probably up there better than, it's better than, like, pure Eldar, pure Drakari. Right, because it has the ability to add elements from both of those lists and then add its own spice to it, right? Mm. I also feel like it brings a level of knowledge disparity. Like, so few people know how Yunari works now, what the Revenant Discipline does, their Warlord traits. So many people have forgotten how to play into the Yinkan, because the Yinkan is yep. like, you know, if you're taking Yunari, why aren't you taking the Yinkan? Uh, <laughs> you just, just live the your best. Yinkan is fantastic. Fantastic. Live your best life and do do the job. Um, how is Eldari Soup doing? And that would usually be the traveling players attaché. Haven't seen it as frequently as I did before, right? And uh, I'm not sure why that is. I think that if you wanted to, I think the main thing is if you want to like it to have an impact, you have to spend like half your points on it to really be effective, right? Or you're just taking it for like some psychic support. You, know, you want like a shadow seer, yeah. You know, and just to like, if you have a Satan in your local meta, and you're like, or an Abaddon or a Gasgul, and you're like, I need to yeah. do some wounds in different phases, you know, to like try and get through to them, sort of thing. Oh, and do some charge phase ones, and yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yep, that's that's actually that's a great idea. But yeah, I've I found soup has not really touched the size for me. Um, my true soup, Yunari is very respectable, and I feel like if you want soup, that's where you go, which is why I think. The, the, the traditional traveling players option has dropped off pretty much wholesale. Um, so, dude, yeah, give us a little bit of a, of a, a wrap-up, final thoughts on the Super Faction before we cut this and uh, hear from Chris, and then we'll go over and record the first part of part two. Okay, so, number one, Eldar. Playing Eldar is not for the faint of heart in any edition. You have to have sort of like a killer instinct, and you have to learn how to take advantage of terrain and movement mainly. That and pace yourself. If you can do that disciplined and effectively, you can get the most out of your out of your lists. Don't change your lists up too much. Practice and really practice into your hard matchups. Even if you lose frequently, you need to understand what your list is capable of doing. So keep your chin up. Play it. Play the things you want to play. Uh, reach out to people who've been showing success with the things you want to have success with and uh, don't be afraid to ask questions and then apply the things that you like from their process into your game plan 
Very well said, man. And on that note, we will finish up with Scary. Thank you so much, guys, who've joined us. Hopefully, you didn't catch any of my coughs. I've been trying to mute myself between. Um, and yeah, we'll hear from Chris very soon. Scary, thank you very much again. Anything you'd like to plug? No, well, thanks for having me. You know, plug away in your eyeballs. Watch me on YouTube. See you over there. See you then. And we are back with uh, the second half of part one. I am joined by W, well, current reigning defending part of the Australian national team, Mr. Chris Wright himself. Welcome to the show again, brother. How you doing? G'day, g'day. Doing good and uh, happy to be here. Now, you ran Asuriani for Team Australia, is that correct? Yep, absolutely. That people were unaware. And uh, for the past, I, th- I mean, I, I know you predominantly as a as a Eldari super faction player, but is, is that how you define yourself as well? Usually operating that super faction, but you play a bit of everything. Yeah. Bounce around a bit, but um, Eldar is certainly my favorite and uh, dark Eldar and Harlequins are armies that I enjoy playing as well. Fantastic. So we've just had Scary, just had the lovely Ridvan Martinez Scary on. He's a hundred percent, a dark Eldar main and you yourself, you know, most recently have been a craft world Janari main. So, <clears throat> hence we're this dynamic duo. I am recording this on a different day, day, guys, and my voice has gotten worse again. So, my absolute apologies for the quality of my voice, but hopefully Chris is going to carry this one for us. Um, so, jumping straight in, my man, uh, give us your takes on the state of the super faction, the Eldari super faction, in the meta at the moment. Yeah, so I think, on the whole, the Eldari are doing pretty well. Uh, I think Harlequins are, are the strongest performers, you know, I think you'll see that. Uh, from the stats, um, yep. the, the recent um, the recent balanced data slate took a tiny chip out of them, but I don't think it was was a particularly big deal. Um, I think they're still really strong, mm-hmm. and I think um, Craftworlds, Trukari, um, and Janari are all uh, solid competitors, um, yep. all all capable of um, winning winning events in the right hands. Um, yeah, and they've all got uh, a few few interesting options for you to play with. Fair enough. So starting off with your impressions of where Drakari sits right now, there are some some opinions out there in the in the meta that Drakari has become something of a stale competitor, as in doesn't really bring anything fresh or new to most matchups. When they're when they're playing their traditional, you know, good stuff kind of list, you know, Drizar, Incubi, bunch of boats, some bits and pieces. Uh, do you echo that statement? How do you think Drakari are doing uh, into the the big hitters as it stands? Yeah, it's probably probably fair. Um, uh, there's there's not a lot new going on. Um, the most recent thing I think was the coteries of the homunculi, and it's not bad, but I don't think um, it has came into everything. Um, and even that's not particularly new. Um, so yeah, while I think they're they're good enough, they're fine. Um, they're not uh, an exciting faction for sure. That's fair. Is there anything you can, you think uh, Drakari players could be looking at right now to kind of shake things up on their end i know they're actually if we get back into a strong shooting meta which with guard and votan coming in plus tau still being supremely shooting army um do you think we could see a new paradigm of shooting armies at the top and then drakara get a little bit of a lift because they're still you know one of the fastest competitors one of the fastest fish in the tank so to speak yeah um that that's certainly something to be considered for sure that's a great point so if 
uh, yeah, you get heavy shooting uh, armies. If you know that you're going to be at a, a tournament with good terrain, um, you can really look to make make the most of your faster units. Um, getting Hellions in there uh, can can be really strong. They can be a great way to pressure the opponent from a, a bit of a distance. Um, you know, Venoms can be good and making use of things like Raiders with their advanced and charge and advanced uh, enhanced ether sales and whatnot. Um, yeah, you got a lot of got a lot of tricks there. So as long as you know there's going to be good terrain at the tournament, that's definitely something you can consider. Fantastic and, and great insights there as well. Especially Hellions, I suppose. Re- yeah, Reaver Jet Bikes is the other one, and then the yeah the Venom Jet. I think you got it knocked it nailed all on the head there. Uh, would any infiltrating options do you think would be up there? I know Mandrakes. Are there any anything else apart from Mandrakes that can infiltrate for Drakari? I think it's just Mandrakes. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're great. Um, you can take a unit, if you're going to do it, you probably take a unit of six, um, so that can help you do your retrieve data or whatever, and uh, it is nice on the uh, mission 11, I believe it is, where you need to hold objective outside your deployment zone to get your command point. Uh, it's nice uh, yep. to be able to do that yep. from the start. They just don't offer a lot for the points, though. Um, I I don't think they're quite worth it. I think Drukari need all of the stuff they can get. Um because they are very fragile, so I wouldn't go that direction, but, you know, I certainly see why someone would. Yeah, fair enough again. So transitioning over from them into a bit more of your wheelhouse, talking about, uh, well, firstly we'll do Harleys, then we'll do Asuriani. Uh, so the light change happened. Cool. That's the Is it the second or third time light's been nerfed? I'm not, I'm not even keeping track anymore. A lot of people said this is the death knell for the light build, and we have just seen some phenomenal things happening in at the Coventry three-day Super Major couple hundred people over there and uh essentially mike porter one of the harlequin super faction specialists over there has just taken the same damn list he took a month ago as the light build this one and he has been absolutely absolutely scalping people do you think the tales of light's demise are totally fabricated yeah i think i think they're exaggerated um you know as things typically are when there's there's nerfs or buff there's going to be uh overreactions I think probably when Harlequins first came out, they had light being kind of a broken sub-faction. They had um, dark being a very strong one and uh, twilight being a good one. Yep. And now they've kind of nerfed it down to a stage where twilight's still good. I think light is still good and dark is decent. I think it's probably just a, a tad behind the others. Um, but yeah, no, light's, light stratagem to, to run away six inches when charged is still just Oh, that's such a pain to play against. Any melee army just hates hates that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the uh, ability to only be hit on fours from a distance can be really good um, in in some matchups, not so much in others. And uh, what's what's their other ability? The um, advance and shoot. Yeah, so that that definitely took a hit for the um, troop in transport heavy build. So you probably. Like I, I wouldn't go for eight troops in in eight transports anymore. Um, but you know the advance and shoot is still still quite relevant. I don't know. I mean, I, when you've got eight boats with fusions and neuros, whatever, sure, the shooting becomes kind of relevant. But it was so few times that I played where people would be shooting with more than three or four of those a turn, and when you're only shooting with a, couple, a handful of those boats. A lot of the time, I found, into me personally, the damage was pretty negligible. So when they lost it, I was like. So maybe they've lost like 15% of their to 20% of their ranged output. Maybe it's 30%. It's not that much. Like most of their best output comes in in through movement and melee to get most of their points. It's mostly like, you know, it's kind of 90% movement to get their points, which light just still does the best. Um, 
So yeah, I didn't think yeah. it was a, I didn't think it was a death knell at all. But sorry, keep going. Um, I think Twilight does the movement the best. Um, oh, because of the consultant shenanigans and stuff. Yeah, that's just such a big deal. Um, because even with light, you were never able to get out of a transport, advance, and still shoot. Um, because you can never count as being stationary when you get out of transport. You know, Twilight's ability to to have the five or six man in the transport, get it out, advance, charge. They get that extra attack, so they're more likely to kill the thing they're trying to kill. And then the extra pile in consolidate helps them pinch that objective. Um, I think that is just absolutely game breaking, and that's the direction I'd be going in myself. Yep. But as we've discussed, light light still has plenty of play. Where's the internal balance in that twilight list, in your opinion? Like, how many big squads, little squads? Do you take any bikes? No bikes? Yes, that's a really interesting question. I think it also depends on the terrain in the event. Um, so if you know that there's going to be um, things you can hide a big squad behind towards the center of the board, um, then you can afford to take two or three of them um, because, you know, they then they have that ability to, to push out and threaten your opponent. Uh, maybe not quite that backfield, but, you know, anything that's, that's um, uh, further up than that. Um, so that, those are incredibly potent, right? When you've got these big twilight um, blocks that have their extra attack and the strat for auto wounds on sixes plus all the other buffs you can give them, that's huge. But mm-hmm. if you think the terrain is going to be a little bit light on um, and you're going to only really be able to hide them sort of more towards the edge of your deployment zone or whatever, uh, I would stick with just the one big blob, and it's going to be more of a, a counter threat. Yeah, it's, it's much more, just as much of a deterrent. Like you, you might even go games where you don't even use it, and all its, all its mileage is just keeping people out of the midboard. Yeah, yeah, that certainly can be, be the case. Yeah, cool, cool, that, awesome, just awesome to say. Um, so moving on from there to Assyriani, here is you know what you played for Team Australia, of course. Where do you think the power lies with Assyriani right now? And are they struggling? Are they doing well? I personally think. And I, I think I said in the past that I think Assyriani is struggling right now, but I expect it to be getting better over the next couple of weeks, couple of months. What's your impressions? I, I, so they're doing okay, not great, um, but not not bad. I think that Hail of Doom is not the way to go. Um, I think ever since the nerf, I I haven't particularly I liked it, and I think that the the reason that it sort of was popular to start with and had a bit of success, but has dropped off since, is people have actually figured out how to play against it. Um, and the thing is, your, your 30 Dire Avengers with Hail of Doom can still put out crazy damage, but they're quite slow um, yep. and not really threatening your opponent's uh, backfield. They're not threatening your opponent's points, um, and Eldar don't have good secondaries. So you've got a list that doesn't put the pressure on that well and also doesn't score that well. And people weren't playing against it correctly. They were just moving out into the middle yeah. and dying. <laughs> yeah. It did well, but it when opponents play a bit more passively against it and um, yeah, don't play into the Eldars with the Hail of Doom strength, I think it's a bit weaker. So you can still do it. You just need to really think about how you're going to pick up the points when your opponent plays a passive game, um, which is which is quite hard to do. Um, I think like if you want to go that direction, you'd probably look at like Brad Chester's WTC list. I thought that was um, quite good. He actually had some play in there. Um, if your opponent's playing well, it's still going to be hard, hard to pick up big wins, right? You're sort of scraping scraping your wins there. Yeah, it's it, it's, a, it's weird to see an Eldar list termed as grindy because usually Eldar hate trying hate having to play grindy tradey games because they lose. They're just so they're just so um, fragile that you lose most times than not. You need to be taking and not giving, and you know stopping blowouts. Um, so 
in addition to what I said before with uh, with Scary guys, I forgot to mention um, the the last thing I think is the the big hammer in the coffin for Hail of Doom is the fact that Votan's coming out, and you can't get any rerolls to wound against Votan, so there's no doubling down on you know rerolls to wound as well. So you lose Doom versus Votan, so you've got to take a list that doesn't rely on Doom either. Um, and so therefore, I don't think that is a shooting list. I think it's a list that has to be more well well rounded. Um, because if you're just hoping to doom people and just pick up big squads, it's just not going to happen for you. Uh, jumping into where you think the power lies for Assyriani now, what do you think of the alternatives? What are the alternative builds to Hail of Doom? Yeah, so I think um, I'd be most focusing on movement and the ability to pressure the opponent. Um, so I, I still quite like the list um, I took to WTC. I did, did okay with it. I think it could have done a bit better. So that was Swift Strikes and... Masterful shots, so advance and counter stationary, and ignores light cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just good for getting around the board, pressuring your opponents. Makes great use of swooping hawks, um, which sort of plays into the non-interactivity that um, Eldar don't do as well after uh, the nerfs to fire and fade and battle focus strat. Yep. Um, so I think that's one way to go. Uh, I think another way to go would be a more combat focused craft world. Um, so you can take exploding fixes to hit in combat, um, and there's various things you can pair that with. Um, you could go, I think, sixes to wound do plus one damage, um, or there's a few options like that. You, you, you don't, you still don't go full combat. It's not just like, all right, you know, we're not going to shoot anymore. But you might have a couple units of banshees, unit or of spears. You might have some scorpions in there. And what that gives you is a lot of units that you can push forward and cast Will of Assyrian on them. They can go in, they can kill something, they can take an objective, and they, you know, they do their trading thing and score the points. Um, and they can, I think, I think they can do that quite effectively. I mean, um, Eldar still doesn't struggle for killing power, right? Unless it's into very specific profiles. I think uh, Skari pointed out uh, minus one damage Armagers is a bit of a nightmare for a lot of the strength six profiles, but in combat, most of the stuff, most of the good things are still pretty good, right? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of what he'd be referring to uh, with the strength six profile. All the shuriken cannons, all the shuriken cannons people used to take with Hail of Doom. It's a big right. reason he says they dropped off is because Armagus came in, CSM came in, like things that are ultra durable with either armor of contempt or damage reduction. Um, but <clears throat> moving on from from there, what what are are you thinking all the way? Are you thinking Beltane? Are you thinking custom craft worlds are the best way to go? Yeah, I'd go the custom craft worlds. Um, as I said, I think you really need to be focusing on uh, movement um, in, in your old list, making the most of that. And I don't think any of the established craft worlds really do that. Um, you know, like Ulthway and Beltane in particular are quite well rounded. It, it, it's Sam Hain all the way, way, is what I'm hearing. No, joking, joking. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, about that. <laughs> uh, uh, so. Like, what is the core of that build, do you think? So you said it's, it's, it's usually usually you've been taking Ignores Cover and Swift Strikes, yeah? Yeah, so that's what um, I ran at WTC, and y- your core is going to be a good chunk of Swooping Hawks because they make the best use of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 20 of those. And then um, some Vipers are amazing too. Um, getting the 22-inch uh, move and and still still shoot is great. Um, you still take a few Wind Riders, but then any Eldar list at the moment needs those Banshees, I reckon, more than one unit. I reckon a couple. I agree. You know, more, more speed. Um, so some Shining Spears or some... Um, 
what are the sniper bike dudes called? Shroud runners. Um, shroud runners, yeah. Shroud runners particularly good against custom craft world as well. They get to, you know, do that twenty two inch move and shoot, ignore cover and battle focus and uh that's really good. Um so, you know, get your swooping hawks and get lots of other things that um have speed in there. Perfect. I totally agree with that one. Um I would like to double down. I think I already said it with uh, in the Scary section. I think Swooping Hawks are the best unit in that book, once again. I think you could have argued, when you can still ignore cover, that Dire Avengers were better. I think now Swooping Hawks absolutely bees knees. Especially, um, they're like the perfect anti-demon unit, I believe, right? Yeah, they are amazing for anti-demons. That's absolutely right. And I think just um, pre the previous balance status late, um, Elder had a lot of options for being non-interactive because you could always auto battle focus unit six and you yep. could fire and fade every turn, do all that sort of stuff. Now, Swooping Hawks are the, the premier unit for being non-interactive, and I think that's a key of any Eldar army's game plan. All right, moving on to a Yanari, mate. I know you've played Yanari for quite a few events here and there. I sometimes, when I see them, think it's the, the events you're not taking as seriously, but I think I may have been wrong in that assumption at times because I think Yanari are pretty good in fact when you do what you described previously as you want a more movement based more aggressively trading army i'm like well you're just describing a yunari army right yeah i think yunari are, are quite strong um i i yeah i think they um they're not quite as fast as you might think um so the harlequin troops on foot for instance they're a fast unit but they're not actually as fast as you really need to be uh, I think in the game at the moment, um, we get things like Hellions, which again are fast, but they're not lightning fast. I think the the, the premier um, a unit to chuck across the table is still going to be Howling Banshees getting out of a transport with their fate dice. Yep. But you know, you still take them in in Yunari. They're still great. You can't guide, you can't doom, but they're still fantastic. Um, but yeah, Yunari do get uh, an extra layer of of damage in the um, additional mortal wound spells they can do. Yep. Um, and also you're, you're getting um, mortal wounds on the charge from harlequins and whatnot, so you can really stack on the damage with things that get, uh, I don't want to say close, because they don't need to be super close, but if anything gets within like 20 inches of you or whatever, you can just like absolutely pummel it, um, and that's a real strength. You know, you have the ability to control the board um, from from a, a, a medium distance. Question, can you not take a webway gate? I think so. I've never, I've never considered that myself, but if they can, that could, that actually sounds pretty sick, to be honest. Yeah, I, I really like that Webway Gate idea. Um, I hadn't really thought about that uh, since WTC wasn't allowing fortifications. I'd sort of forgotten that the Webway existed, uh, Webway Gate existed, and haven't given it a thought since. But that could be really strong with Inari. I, I do actually like that idea. Ah, uh, there we go. He's just coming on the show. Giving the gold, getting the gold. Ah, beautiful transaction, yep. Chris. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so what conceptually, what does the core of a good Unari list look like for people out there? Um, I think you're going to definitely have a big Harlequin troop in there. Um, the buffs you can stack on the Harlequin troop adds Unari uh, insane. So um, definitely get that in there. You're going to have a good chunk of Psychers. Um, they've got some really strong Psychic powers, so you want to make good use of those. Um and in addition to that, they have bad secondary, so you need to make sure you have a psychic secondary built in. Yep. You are still going to have some banshees. I love to put them in a wave serpent. You don't have to do that, but um, certainly something I'd consider doing. I'd still chuck some swooping hawks in there because you still want some of that non-interactivity. Um, yeah, they're going to be the main things, I think. Um, Yvrain, Yinkan, what's your preference? 
so I think the income's really strong. I think he's definitely worth taking. Um, yeah, it gives you some great psychic support. can do a lot of damage. Um, he can be a huge headache for your opponent. Yep. One of those units where your opponent's spending all their, their time, thought, energy um, playing around, and then you just decide to not really use him for the first couple of turns, just cast a few psychic powers, and then maybe a, a, an opening comes in later in the game and you can make great use of him then. Yeah, I think he's the way to go, but he has a lot of points, so you could go a different direction. Um, don't, don't think I would take your brain or the Vizzer. Fair enough. So it's Yinkan or Bust. I, I agree with that. I mean, if you're playing Yunari, why else are you playing Yunari? Because they've got one of the most unique and spicy cool characters in the game that they've ever ever written, to be honest. Uh, all right. Yeah, definitely. So, so our last section is the state of soup. Now, this is pretty much talking about traveling players attached to any of the other sub-factions. How do you feel like that's sitting at the moment? Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I think it's particularly good with Drakari. I think uh, it can really add something they lack. You can you can get a bit of um, shooting in there. Um, you can get some extra utility in in um, from the Harlequin troops. So I think that's a, a really good option to to go with. Though I'm sure Skari um, explored that in great detail with Eldar. I think it's a good thing to consider. The biggest issue I have with it is I like to base my Eldar army uh, around psychic buffs a fair bit. I really want to have Guide and Doom, Will of Assyrian in there yep. um, at the at the very least. And sort of once you start taking a bunch of Harlequin units, um, you're not you know you've got less options for these buffs. You're not making full use of them. Um, so it's it's still definitely worth considering, but that's sort of the thing that would be stopping me from doing it. Fair enough. Uh, he actually didn't touch on it, funnily enough. Uh, Sky was like, oh, I'm not sure about traveling players. I'm not sure he's got any. Just going to put it out there. I suspect okay. he doesn't have any Harlequins. I personally conceptualize in my head Harlequins being a lot of what Drakari wants because right now a lot of their profiles are pretty underwhelming or overkill. They don't have a lot of like the medium, medium catch-all kind of offensive profiles in combat like which is they're either superstars or they absolutely bounce and don't do a damn thing uh whereas incubi are either world killers or well they're usually just world killers <laughs> so usually incubi yeah. are overkill into things and and witches are underkill into things so putting in a couple of five mans or one ten and a couple of fives of harlequin troops i think it gets that nice fast melee middle bracket um for them which usually you'd go to hellions for but sometimes Hellions aren't what you want to eat, or you want to take Hellions as well. So I actually love Drakari at Traveling Players. I think that could be the thing that could give Drakari a little bit more spice and just add some jank. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. All right, my man. Uh, so give us your closing thoughts on the Eldari Super Faction, then we'll wrap up and hit the part two. Um, yeah, I, I think they're in a, in a reasonable spot. Um, I think you've, you've got a good few options, but uh, yeah, no. Well, I was going to say none of it's too broken. The Harlequins have been overperforming a bit, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's 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 good. It's uh, it's all in a pretty good spot, I think. What are you taking for your next GT? Actually, what is your next big event you're attending? Uh, there's there's an invitational um, at a at a local store for um, people who have uh, performed well in their events throughout the years. But a thousand dollar first prize, so Oof, um, nice. yeah, taking that one seriously. So. That, it's a few weeks away still, but um, yeah, that'll be my next one. I won't ask you for your list, but you willing to tell us your faction? Oh, there's definitely going to be some Eldar in there. Um, I'm undecided between uh, 
the Inari, the Swift Strikes Eldar, and the combat-based Eldar. Well, it's just going to be a webwank at Inari list now, isn't it? <laughs> it could be. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give that some thought. Um, I'll have to ask about the terrain because you do need to make sure you're going to have some uh, someone actually put that webway gate. Um, putting it in your deployment zone isn't particularly useful. I so the reason I love the webway gate is because you got so many grindy melee lists that want to get into the midboard and grind. And as soon as you place the webway gate right there, they're like, oh, okay, so I'm never starting off the trade war. I never get to start the trade war. My opponent always gets to start the trade war on their terms, and it could just be a flood. It's uh, it's pretty cool. I like it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to close this off. We're going to head over to part two. We're going to got a bunch of listener questions. I've answered some of these already with Skari, but we're, some of them were pointed exactly at Chris or a more graph world specific rather than Drakari specific so we're going to go over there and answer those hopefully you guys will join us there over on patreon at the art of war down under or over at the art of war 40k.com and yeah purchase the wonderful podcast bundle or sign up for whichever ones suit you or the amazing war room and everything therein hope to catch you there chris thank you again for coming on mate my great pleasure to have you always and yeah have a great day this, this is the bit where you say see you later guys all right i felt like you'd wrapped it up pretty well um <laughs> But I can do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Always great to be here. <laughs> I'm leaving all of this in. The awkward, the awkward endings. I feel like has become a bit of a trope of my show. Enjoy. Okay. Hopefully, my voice wasn't too awful. <laughs> See you guys. Even, even the pause that are left to make it easy to edit there, Adam. I'm leaving this in too now. Oh, good. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40k. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.